The Amy Podcast, Episode 001, is brought to you by HealthMark. HealthMark has the total solution for your cleaning verification program, including products to measure water temperature, water quality, cleaning efficiency, and directly test for residual soil left on instruments. Find out more about products like Cart Wash Check and HemoCheck at HMark.com. Welcome to the Amy Podcast. Produced by the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation, in partnership with the studios of Healthcare Tech Talk. Hello, I'm Terry Baker. And I'm Kelly Hill. And welcome to the first ever Amy Podcast. A podcast intended to complement Amy's many informational outlets. Such as their webinars, Biomedical Instrumentation Technology Magazine, Summits, and website. Again, my name's Terry Baker. I have uh, over 25 years of experience in technology, the last 11 of which has been in healthcare, overseeing both IT and biomedical technology teams. And I'm Kelly Hill. I'm a master's prepared nurse with uh, nearly a decade in practice. Today, we thought we would just uh, have our first episode to introduce you to the podcast and kind of give you an idea of what we're, our goals are. And we have invited a rock star guest on, as we'd like to say, Mary Logan. And while we intended to keep it light, Mary, being as great as she always is, had some really neat uh, issues to discuss that uh, you might want to listen for. So welcome back to the show, Mary Logan. Hi, how are you? I'm great, Kelly. Thanks. It's good to be talking with you and Terry again. And the reason that we say again, or that I say welcome back to the show, is because we have talked with Mary Logan on our podcast, Healthcare Tech Talk, and uh, we are actually launching a wonderful new series in partnership with the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation, or AMI. Mary is the president and CEO. And so we're talking to her today as sort of a primer, if you will, for that podcast series. So are you comfortable uh, discussing a few things with us about AMI and the upcoming podcast series, Mary? Well, talking about Amy is my favorite thing in the world, and I love talking to the two of you, and you make it easy, so let's do it. All right. So, Mary, we got a chance to see you at the uh, Amy Annual Conference, and you were a bit of a rock star. Everywhere we uh, saw you, everybody wanted to you know, talk with you, share their ideas, hear what you had to say, and what better person to bring on to the the initial episode of the Amy podcast. So we definitely appreciate you being there. That was a great event with mm-hmm. lots of awesome vendors. We and, had a good time. Yeah, you know, a lot of uh, great attendees. Yep. It was amazing because even when we saw you on the street, outside the convention center, um, just walking down the street in Philadelphia, you were mobbed. <laughs> So I'm sure you're probably blushing a little bit. Oh, thank you. That makes me totally embarrassed. It was a pretty great show. Yeah. It was. I thought it was the most fun annual conference that I have been to. It was really serious business with Mm -hmm. a lot of technology, a lot of educational sessions, Mm -hmm. but my staff really added a sense of playfulness and fun to it that we hadn't had before. So I really loved it. It was my favorite one. Well, and Philadelphia played a, a great host city. That was I hadn't been to Philadelphia previously, so really enjoyed getting a chance after the sessions and after the various events, getting out and, and seeing the city. Where's the next one going to be hosted? Denver, Colorado, oh. June 5th to 8th, 2015. It's going to be a beautiful place to come to the Amy Annual Conference. And is that beautiful. a good time of year to go to Denver? I don't even know. Oh, yeah. 
incredible. Everybody can start booking their tickets now for that. So Right. Now, as we said, you're a bit of a rock star. And much like many rock stars, they use their notoriety for political uh, reasons. So I hear you reached out to President Obama not that long ago. What was that all about? We did. First time I have ever in my life written to the President of the United States. And I'm sure... I'm sure he's going to write back to me, don't you think? (laughs) And we really are not a political organization. Amy does not work the political scene intentionally because we're a, a neutral organization. But President Obama has a council on science and technology that wrote a report in late May to him on the need for systems engineering and healthcare. And it was a remarkable report. The timing of it was serendipitous because we had just finished putting all the articles together for our Fall Horizons publication, which is on the need for systems engineering and healthcare. We have a systems advisory group at Amy. So the timing was just perfect and the stars were aligned and we really wanted President Obama to know what a great report it was and that we hope it doesn't just sit on a shelf. So it wasn't really a political in the way that Congress or other parts of the government are political. It was really telling him that this group did an amazing job with that report and we hope that something comes of it. I think that that's complementary to really the goals of healthcare reform in a lot of ways, what Amy does and seeks to do, and that is to better manage the quality, the safety, the cost associated with putting medical equipment in, in various healthcare settings. So that's just one piece of the puzzle and the controlling cost and driving up quality and, and all that good stuff. Well, and I'm sure that he appreciates actually national organizations reaching out and saying, hey, we support this endeavor. We support this idea. I hope you get a personal response back. But one thing I can be sure of is that your letter is is somewhere where it'll be viewed as or demonstrated as, look, we're on the right track here. Yes, I, I do believe. The committee itself, the, the Council on Science and Technology received a copy of the letter. Mm -hmm. We really wanted them to know that systems engineering is something that they're not the only ones thinking about. There are other organizations like Amy and INCOSI, which is the the Professional Society for Systems Engineers, really looking at how we can help improve healthcare, in our case, on the technology side through a systems engineering approach. Writing the letter to the president, um, although Amy is not necessarily a political organization, it's not the only work that Amy has done with the government. You regularly partner with the FDA. Is that correct? We do. And it's because we're not political, because we don't get involved in advocacy, that we are able to do a lot of things with the FDA. And for example, there are probably 120 staff people from the FDA who participate actively on any standards committees looking at how to utilize standards to improve the safety of medical devices or related processes or parts of medical devices like cardiac leads would be an example of a part Mm -hmm. where the FDA is really concerned about safety and we have a committee that is very actively engaged with the FDA and working on improving cardiac leads. And also the institute that hold these summits on various uh, initiatives. 
The summits are actually hosted by Amy and the FDA. The institute that you're referring to is our Healthcare Technology Safety Institute, which is inside of the Amy Foundation. And what HITSE, we call it HITSE, does is to take what comes out of the summits and look at what projects Amy could successfully work on to address some of the problems that come out in the summits. So HITSE is actively working on infusion safety from issues coming out of the infusion summit that we did in 2010 and even more aggressively working on alarm safety based on the issues that came out of the summit that we held with the FDA in 2011 on alarm safety. Okay. So Amy and the FDA co-convened these summits, and this year we have one on ventilator technology. And that's coming up soon. Yes, September 16 and 17 in the Washington, D.C. area. And it looks like you have about 25 speakers I saw Uh that are are lined up to speak at this event, for starters anyway. We do. Connie Barden, who is a senior staff person at the American Association of Critical Care Nurses and a clinician herself, is going to open it up by talking about healthy work environments and how an unhealthy work environment can contribute to technology safety issues. Hmm. So that's really awesome. The other speakers are primarily panelists, so experts who are going to challenge the audience to really think deeply about these issues with ventilators by focusing in on one aspect of of the issues that they know really well. So that's why we have so many speakers. It's really not an educational event. It's intended to be a discussion-oriented event where the panelists really get the audience going. They talk only for 10 minutes apiece. And then there's a scientific moderator, a professional moderator, who gets the audience to talk about what they've just heard from the panelists. And then from those discussions, a great list of priority issues is developed by the audience members themselves. That's an awesome forum. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and if our listeners want to go out and, again, learn about this summit or a lot of the other summits that are being held by Amy, you can check that out on amy.org. Go under the Events tab and then the Summits, and there's quite a few coming up over the next uh, uh, so many months. So you guys are very busy. We are very busy, yeah, and this is one of our highest priorities. So the upcoming summit in September is about ventilator technology, which is great because... Our next episode uh, is going to be uh, with some of the folks that have uh, worked on ventilator initiatives. So hopefully we can complement some of the work that's already being done in the Biomedical Instrumentation and Technology magazine article, as well as kind of give a little bit of a a primer to what's coming up at the the summit in September. Yeah, yeah. We're excited to have our first podcast episode uh, in partnership with Amy be over the ventilator technology uh, subject matter. In fact, uh, that subject matter is so dense (laughs) that it might end up being more than one episode. Sure, there's a lot to cover there. There is a lot to cover there. I had no idea when the FDA asked us if this could be the topic for the summit this fall. I had no idea how much was there, and I, I still have a lot to learn, but there are uh, issues that clinicians experience, there are issues that patients experience, and there are issues that healthcare technology management professionals experience. So there's, there's a lot to cover. 
So as we mentioned, we're kicking off the Amy podcast. And I was curious, Mary, we had a chance to meet through our other uh, show. And after working with you, we all kind of talked and said, hey, it'd be neat to partner on a show. And I believe Amy was already kind of on this path. Any special thoughts on why you, you might want to kick off a podcast when you already have so many other you know, magazines and webinars and, and a great website? Yes. We've been talking about doing podcasts for the last three years. We're really small staff, and we, there are 40 of us on staff, and we are spread so thin because we're doing so many big things that it every year it was just one of those things that, gee, we should really try to get to do the try to do up some podcasts next year. And we're also not incredible radio show hosts like Kelly and Terry. <laughs> so we, we didn't really ha- feel like we had quite the right expertise to know how to pull it off. We have a lot of things to talk about. And the reason why would we want to do podcasts? Well, we have great publications. We have great educational sessions. We have great content. And everybody's different in how they want to receive the content or how they find Amy or find the content. And we didn't really feel like we were maximizing all of the opportunities that we had to get content out to people on subjects that they're passionate about in the method that they might appreciate the most. So some people really like listening. To, I don't know why they would want to listen to my voice, but they, <laughs> they like listening. And some people prefer reading, and some people prefer the interaction. So it's just a great compliment. And I had so much fun working with the two of you and thought you were so incredibly professional that it, it seemed like the perfect time and the perfect match for us to do something with you. Well, and I can tell you from my perspective, we were very excited about that because, again, we were familiar with Amy and the idea of being able to partner and work with your team with the massive amount of resources, your various contacts, people that you know have content with you, now being able to work with them on podcasts that complements your webinars, complements your initiatives, summits biomedical instrumentation technology magazine is just exciting because it just provides us the opportunity to deliver even better content. So we're definitely very excited about it. I think that's a great point. Everybody likes to consume their content in different ways. Me personally, I love the podcast, obviously, Mm -hmm. and it's a perfect time for podcasts. Podcasts have been out there for a while, but with the convergence of the smartphone, the apps, unlimited data rates, actually the next uh, version of iOS, Apple's operating system, they are going to make the podcast app a fixed part of that, which just kind of sh- shows how podcasts are just continuing to become a more desired way it's, of consuming your content. It's more ubiquitous content. now, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, when you think about the little snippets of time that we all have, right. sure. um, I, I'm in, in my car for 15 minutes at a time, and obviously I can't read, I can't talk on the phone, but I can listen and mm-hmm. That's what I do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we encourage when we talk about uh, podcasting to people and, and to the, the listeners who will be hearing this episode. Sure. When you're working out, when you're driving, mm-hmm. when you're doing dishes or whatever it might be. Well, I, just for my part, I just want to say that yeah. you you have been the best people to work with. We couldn't have asked for uh, a better partner. Yeah. Well, we feel the same way. Mary, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience during this first episode of the Amy podcast? Well, on a totally different topic, here's what's on my mind today. The, yesterday, the Joint Commission 
issued a Sentinel event alert about small bore connectors and the dangers of the what we call the lure connector, okay. the small bore connector. And we're so grateful that they issued it because there are changes coming with the small bore connector. New connectors are coming, and everybody who does work to support healthcare delivery is worried that the transition is going to be really, really scary and risky. Okay. So it's on my mind today, so that's why I thought of it. Mm-hmm. And the Premier Safety Institute had a webinar yesterday, and 2,000 people participated on wow. it. That's how that's how big this is. When you say connector, I know what you mean. <laughs> when you say yeah. small bore connector or lure connector, I start to get a little bit lost. It's the tubing connector. Okay. So if that's probably how nurses think of it. Yeah, and tubing, thank you for tubing connector. <laughs> for simplifying yeah. that for me. But it's really I'll I'll tell you just a really touching story. There's a a nurse who works in healthcare in for a hospital in Arizona. And a couple of years ago, her mom went into an ambulatory surgery center for an elective surgery, and she died from a tubing misconnection. Oh, my. And the nurse's name is Tricia, and she was, of course, devastated. I'm a nurse. How could this happen? And she wanted the world to know to be careful. And she reached out to me, and we started, we became pen pals, and Right before the podcast started, she dropped me a note this morning to ask me if I had seen what the Joint Commission had done. She was a person who really pushed hard for the Joint Commission to do the Sentinel event alert. So imagine how meaningful it was for her that it happened yesterday, and she wanted to share that moment with me this morning, and it was right before you called. So that's why that's really on my mind today. So what exactly is going on with these tube connectors that allowed something like this to happen? And then why the need for the Sentinel event alert as it relates to the transition to the new tube connectors? What's happening is the uh, California legislature has banned the lure connector, and that's a, a capital L. All the, there's a, the beauty of the tubing connector is it has 16 different uses. So I always think of it like the something going into a USB port, mm-hmm. like a stick mm-hmm. going into sure. a USB stick. You can stick it into a lot of things because it's universal. So it makes it really easy to use. But the bad thing is it's really easy. It's too easy for clinicians to connect the wrong thing. In this case, though, I'm gonna, I might get this wrong, but there's a t- the tubing misconnection was with a blood pressure cuff. Mm. Hmm. And it put air mm-hmm. in, uh, put air in her veins. I think is what it was. Um, so she had. So a yeah. lot of times, it's a lot of times the most common problem mm-hmm. is that food is put into and uh, mixed up with the IV line. Right. Right. She. Yeah. Okay. It's dawning on me now. The lure lock is what we call it. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, lure lock. The lure okay. Lock. Exactly. What I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Now. She had an invasive line. Mm-hmm. And so it did allow a free flow of air in through that yeah, okay. misconnection. Got yeah. it. That's devastating. Usually it's the food, the uh, enteral feeding and the, the IV line that get mixed up. Yep. And, it, and it tends to be pediatric patients mm. who die. So it's very 
devastating, tragic, tragic thing when it happened. So the California legislature said this is bad. It has to go away, and they've banned it starting in 2016. So the medical device community, through an international standards effort that is housed at Amy, uh, with very, very active leadership from the FDA, has redesigned the lure lock Mm -hmm. so that each of the 16 different uses will have a different connector. And the difference is based on diameter so that it should be impossible to misconnect Absolutely. The, the wrong thing. But what will happen in the transition is there will be a lot of confusion mm-hmm. because people will not realize that this change is happening unless there's... in intentional work by healthcare delivery organizations to prepare for what's coming. And a lot of people in the supply chain have said this is going to be as painful as when single-use needles came Mm -hmm. into being. It just takes a long time for people to adjust to change, and people will want to continue to use the lure connector. So the risk of unintended consequences is high until the transition is complete. And I can say from a clinician's perspective, Terry and Mary, it's going to have a humongous impact, Hmm. huge impact. Now that I understand what it is that we're talking about, this is going to be tremendous. Yeah. It's amazing all the things that Amy is is working on, whether it's alarm fatigue, whether it's ventilator technology, whether it's it's, – Now small bore connections. Small bore connections. It's education. But it's all – you know, it can be a bit daunting as you look at it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, so important and so kind of, to me, exciting because mm-hmm. these things need to happen. Mm-hmm. We need to address these issues. So it just shows to me that, you know, we yeah. can we can continue to get better and better and we can drive our safety up by focusing on these things. We can drive our costs down and all those things that we need to do in healthcare. And, uh, and hopefully can, we can be the voice of awareness yeah. in that endeavor. So it's awesome. Yes. Thank you. And that's that's the hardest thing is how do you reach 5,000 hospitals yeah. and, and all the people that really need to understand the things that we're talking about when they have so many other priorities. Technology right. isn't often the highest priority. That was wonderful, Mary. Thank you for introducing that topic and talking oh, a little welcome. bit about it. Uh, and, and again, we'll look forward to, to perhaps doing a full-on episode with this. Sure. Sounds good. Okay. Well, um, if we don't have anything else, then we will unfortunately say goodbye. Parting is such sweet yeah. sorrow with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun, and I look forward to doing this again. Yes. Okay. And good luck with the series. We're really excited about it, and I can't think of two better people to be hosting. So thank you. Thank you, thank Mary. You. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Once again, we would like to thank our sponsor, Healthmark. Find your tools for cleaning verification at hmark.com. There you will learn about TOSI and Sonicheck that test the performance of mechanical washers as recommended in sterilization standards guidelines. And we'd like to thank you for joining us today for this first ever episode of the Amy Podcast. We have lots of great episodes lined up with wonderful guests. So please, come on back and check it out. For this episode of the Amy Podcast... I'm Terry Baker. And I'm Kelly Hill.